Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of 831 Comadres, where nothing's off the table cuando estás entre comadres. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Selena's Underground Podcast, your kind of weekly look at all the news, events, and people in Selena's. And yeah, this is a cool hybrid episode, as you can tell. People listening are probably freaking like, out. What the like, fuck what the, is going on? I didn't subscribe to this. <laughs> um, so here we are at the end of February, which is Black History Month. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing a lot of history things lately, local stuff. That everyone loves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people Comadres really included. People yes. really love it. And I know you guys do more bigger scale, bigger national, more socially conscious things. So I was mm -hmm. like, that. what a great co-host. <laughs> <Or, laughs> We're just I doing mean, a collab. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a collaboration, really. <laughs> a hybrid. Yeah, the hybrid, I like how that the hybrid episode. Also, not only are we guinea pigs, but I just like being the first of anything. <laughs> so first time on the network, as per usual, yeah. breaking records, making history, setting the tone. There we go. Take yeah. it away, Oz. No, well, <laughs> take it is, away, Oz. <laughs> well, this is uh, again our Black History Month episode. Well, you guys are going to start it off. You guys are going to take it away. We're going to start on the big scale, like I said, national stuff. Yeah. You guys have some really cool Black Panthers, and then you're going to tie it to Brown Berets yeah. as well, right? Actually, it's the other way around. We're going to do our episode on the Brown Berets because and something really amazing is happening <laughs> in Frenchie's life right now. So we wanted to go ahead and commemorate that. But also because it is Black History Month and because of the types of topics that we yeah. like to talk about, as you mentioned, um, we wanted to tie that into how the Brown Berets were um, heavily influenced mm -hmm. by the Black Panther okay. Party. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So. Yeah. And then from there, well, then I'll bring it in. We'll finish it up nice and tidy locally. Or I've uh, done some research. Uh, I bought a book recently about African-American history in Monterey County, which was surprising to me that that even existed. Yeah, um, but it's amazing and, that they have that. Yeah, and it's so cool. And Let's not so be surprised anymore. I went through it. Well, yeah, and I, I, I like hope that. we're going to we're gonna open some eyes here today. And yeah, we'll finish it off with that, with the <laughs> local stuff. So yes. I... I Seed the floor to you. I don't know how to how to properly say it. It's <laughs> so weird, huh? Like uh, pass the ball over. Not just pass. It I to reclaim you. my time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So let's start with the brown berets. How everything slowly started. Con nuestra gente. Whoa. How the movement started. Poco poquito. And, let's start. But let's right start way, here. Way back. Wait, 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 wait. Let's start that till the end. No, she wants to <laughs> go gloss right over it. No. But I want to start this whole episode <laughs> off with giving the me floor. Blush. Uh, most respects to your home girl, the comadre, <laughs> La Frenchie, um, because something really amazing. I know you said it on the show yeah. a couple episodes prior that you were starting to. I was a, I'm a recruit right now for the Oakland Brombre unit. Correct. Um, you know, one of my friends that I met through, of course, one of our many protesting, you know, vendors and everything. He hit mm -hmm. me up. He's like, hey, do you want to go in the meeting? With the brown berets to see how it is what do you think about it i'm like for real me like dude you're you're out there like you have a voice you have platforms you know mm -hmm. just you know whatever you think you know join in the call of course zoom because of covid i joined and i was like damn these are some top-notch bitches here like i like yeah. it like i love that like you know we mean business or they mean business and they were down to the point and how it's supposed to be and how it's supposed to be done and after that yeah i met them the first time at the um, we had um free the free the kids in Monterey. Um, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I met them there. And dude, like when you see a brown beret, I'm not sure if it's just me, but it's just like 
damn like they're they just fascinate me they're like this is my culture this is my people this is what sure. you know you see this in videos and documentaries you're like i want to be her when i grow up you know mm-hmm. and then the thing that used to like really like open my eyes when i was little even bigger than my eyes already big enough it's the <laughs> what's it called the the bullet vest oh yeah yeah that's like the sashes the sashes and everything yeah. i was like i want to do that i want to hold a gun like that you know like me being all you know rebellion and stuff but anyways um i met them i did a zoom call and ever since then yeah i've been a recruit i got my round braid shirt i've been doing my work and then ojalá i've you know Everything goes as Everything planned. goes well. Si Dios quiere, uh, I'll be sworn in pretty soon. That's such a señora thing to say. <laughs> si Dios quiere. I learned from my grandmother. Yes. Yes. Si Dios quiere, si everything goes well, yeah, I'll be sworn in. We are very Mexican, very Chicanas <laughs> in that sense, right? Exactly. Si Dios quiere, you'll be yeah. sworn in soon. Yeah. So it'll be up in sack during um, end of the month of March, hopefully, if everything goes great. Like, you know, well, I'm sorry. And then, um, yeah. And and are there actual brown berets, like like mm-hmm. actual berets? Mm-hmm. You get like, a beret? Yeah, they're That's actually yeah. cool. <laughs> we get, we get a, um, también un parche and everything. We get our uniform. Yes. Yeah, and you yeah. have to like earn your patches. Hell yeah! Right? And this you is have what to earn your beret. Exactly. You have to earn your sashes. Like that's all what I stuff. love about this unit. They actually like they're testing you. They see how much dedicated you are. I mean, they understand like their family comes first. That's one thing about this unit. I fucking love that family is oh, and yourself is first. If you can yeah. do something, hey, let us know. We're totally understandable. But here you have to work for your beret. You have mm-hmm. to work for your patches. You just can't be like, okay, you want to be a brown beret? All right, you're in. Yeah, it don't work like that. It can work like that, you know. That's amazing. So I've done my work. (laughs) The structure (laughs) is still there. So it's it's work in honor of all of that. Again, (laughs) we wanted to make sure to honor, you know, our history and stuff like that. And these are like these things that we don't really hear a lot of, right? Like it's not something that they teach us like in the history books. Like again, like there's a whole ass book written on the, Mm -hmm. you know, black history in Monterey County, but we don't even teach that right here in Salinas or Marina or Seaside. Which it should be taught. Exactly. It should be taught because it's history that no one else is going to teach you. And like where we learn about all the bullshit Anyways, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we can it's, go into that to another. We gotta episode. keep it tight, guys. Yeah. So we're gonna get. We want to cover a lot of these different historical important topics here. So mm-hmm. we're gonna get right into it. So the history of the brown berets actually doesn't start with the name brown berets, not right? at all. Nope. No, it had two names before that. Yeah, exactly. It had two names before it. You know, brown berets. Um, the first one was the Young Citizens for Community Action, which is also known as the YCCA. Exactly. Y luego el segundo. Do you have um, um, for um, young year? Chicanos? Year oh, was sorry, um, 1966. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, 1966. Yeah. And, you know, everything pretty much started in L.A. también. You know, for that's the civil rights era, right? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's in the middle of all that stuff. Actually, it started off from the research that I did was like in the late summer of '65. Mm-hmm. Marquette Bry was pulled over and on uh, suspected DUI by a white CHP officer, and that's what sparked the Watts riots. Oh yeah, and so Watts rioted for six days, like as we all know, right? Mm-hmm. And so there were like certain departments that wanted to prevent a similar situation in East LA, mm-hmm. and in April of 1966. There was a three-day leadership conference for for young Latino Where, youth. where was this at? Um, it was in L.A. Oh, in L.A. Okay, because um, yes. I, I did see one, but it was starting in Colorado. Oh. That was a thing. So that with, was the one with, with Corky. Corky Gonzalez, yeah. right? Our homie Corky. So <laughs> I want man. I, 
Corky just inspires Corky me in a whole like different level. Deal, right? <laughs> like, okay. So this well, one was actually literally organized. Rodolfo Gonzalez, aka Corky. Con- if yeah. you want to be like technically. Yeah. So this one was in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and it was started or, or organized um primarily uh the big name that came comes out of it is Sal Castro. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um so Sal Castro and others put on this three-day leadership conference in LA. And of from that leadership conference, there was five people that formed the the YCCA the mm-hmm. Young Civilians what was it Young Civilians Coalition oh, Young Civilians for Community Action oh, that's okay. what it was that yeah okay so yeah so that all started from this leadership conference mm-hmm. right and those five people were actually it was Vicky Castro Jorge Licón, David Sanchez, Raquel Ochoa, and Montezuma Esparza. They're the ones who formed YCCA. So YCCA did a lot of things within the community, right? Mm -hmm. They were exposed to people like Cesar Chavez and Ricardo, Ricardo de la Torre. When they had that like exposure and kind of like education, right? Mm-hmm. They changed the name from the Young Citizens for Community Action to the Young Chicanos for Community and Action. And that was in 1967. Correct. Yeah. I, I did my search on this. Mm-hmm. I got to do my homework Do you want to talk about La Piranha? No, you go for it. Okay. So <laughs> <got those> notes. <laughs> during that time in like, you know, like 66 and 68, like when they were introduced to Father John B. Oh, um, tengo ese nombre. I know because I have John B. It. Lusa. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. From the Epiphany Church or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was an Episcopal church. And that was in Lincoln Heights, right? Yep. Father John actually helped the YCCA acquire La Piranha Coffee Shop. And like, I'm like such a big proprietor for like ownership, right? Mm-hmm. So like once they had La Piranha, like it was like on and cracking <laughs> after that, essentially, because they had a place where they can like congregate and meet. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? And that was like a coffee shop. It was like right on Olympic Boulevard. So was like in the you know what I mean like yeah, in the barrio was in the hood yeah. right so yeah but essential like of course during that time was also people have to remember that it's parallel to you know the Black Panther starting their movement mm-hmm. as well right mm-hmm. so during that time we literally have the leaked documents now right that like the FBI was targeting black owned uh, bookstores right mm-hmm. to be monitored by the FBI and shit like that to make sure supposedly them for like targets for like domestic terrorism and shit like that which that's so, how yeah they saw yeah. them as that way so exactly and they, they just, saw that Judas and the Black Messiah just there you go out. exactly yeah. where is it on Amazon or no HBO Max oh, good. Okay, so it's the HBO I feel like um, the electro and Bono movie power hour need to do that <laughs> oh yeah that's definitely on <laughs> the our list because uh, well yeah because also the trial of chicago 7 touched on a little, mm-hmm. a little yeah, bit yeah, about yeah. it and, but yeah what was that it was cointel pro what was the, exactly. the program that was called and mm-hmm. yeah and that's what again and that movie's called judas and the black messiah because that's what the fbi was afraid of is that a black messiah would be 
come up and unify the black community mm-hmm. and well, which is the, why they murdered Fred Hampton yeah that is definitely <laughs> why they mur- that's why they murdered Fred Hampton that's why they murdered Martin Luther King exactly Malcolm they, X todos but, yeah yep and, and they finally found who killed Malcolm X and they're not gonna like do any charges against him it's a government what you talking no, about who? no 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 they actually found like <laughs> there's a name to the police and everything who did it and they're trying to like fight that to get him at least like charges or something going on with that yeah it's called the United States government <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like getting no, that but see, guy yeah, yeah. is just like... Dude, Fred Hampton was 21 when they murdered him. That's, That's the guy that was in the room, right? Yeah. With his, I remember I, that, oh, yeah. He was I 21. I love watching him, like the old old videos of him Ugh. speak where he just straight out, like, to their face, they'll call the you're pigs so the smart. pigs. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. just straight up like that. I'm like, whew. That's I'd be loving that type of boldness. You know what I mean? Like those huevos right there. You know that's BD. That's gutsy. That's just back in the day. That was gutsy. I'm just saying that's BDE. Like on a major <laughs> fucking level. Like, <laughs> but anyhow, essentially the reason that we I bring all this up is because that's exactly what happened to La Piranha Coffee Shop. It got the attention of not only L.A. law enforcement, but also the FBI. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the main reasons why it got like that, all of that attention and stuff like that was because the Brown Berets were instrumental in helping to organize and and protect the community during the East L.A. walkouts. Yep. Security. Exactly. We we still do that to this day. Yeah, exactly. And that's still what (laughs) they do. That's still what we do. We protect. We secure everything's fine we acknowledge or anything like shadiness is going on yeah and we're there infiltrators yeah. because that's exactly what happened and mm-hmm. we'll get into it in like the 70s yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that right but essentially from what i was able to gather like david david sanchez mm-hmm. was arrested and incarcerated in um 1968 Mm-hmm. And it was during that time that he wrote and created a three-page manifesto yeah. that's called The Birth of a New Symbol. And that, like, laid out, like, a different set of, like, goals and guidelines of, like, how the Brown Berets were, like, going to move and operate from that mm-hmm. point moving it's forward. Basically, I mean, it's not, like, the three pages, but it's, like, the Brown Book, mm-hmm. you know, like, the rules. What well, you tell us do. what that is. Well, can't say much about it, but oh, okay. yeah, but it's just yeah, it's just the brown book. It's just saying how important our unit, I mean, the brown berets is, and talking about the base, not rules, but it's just guidelines, the guidelines and expectations, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe exactly. Yeah, expectations. I think see, I like, see, I like, yeah. I look at you, and you know what I'm thinking because I can't always think of it very quickly. <laughs> but I'm like, I know you got me, <laughs> I got you, girl. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so and this just like shifted essentially mm-hmm. like YCCA into like brown berets and a lot of people point to this time as like and i don't know if the brown berets officially like corroborate that but like a lot of people historians point to this time as like the shift of when they went from like young organized latinos to Mm -hmm. like young radical latinos yeah no you're it's funny you bring that up because everything was with students it was exactly. young kids, todos mm-hmm. estudiantes, and it was just, again because this was from yep. a leadership. Conference. Exactly, it was students, non-students, mil- militant youth from street gangs, which they're called vatos locos. Well, that's dope. yeah, vatos locos. Is um, that how they refer to them? And like, yeah, history? like that was the homeboys back then, or homegirls, mm-hmm. or you know, and the ex-convicts, which are like AKA pintos. And I was like, dude, I get this, you know, because. Yeah. This is how my mom used to talk or back in her day, you know, yeah. with her aqua net hairspray, you know, <laughs> like um, another word that I like that comes from that part of history is like or 
before that, like pachucos exactly. and like rucas. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Like Exa- that whole. And, yeah, that's how it was. Um, What's that word that I'm looking for? Ebonics for Latinos. I would say that's slang. Right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it calo? Right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah it is exactly. calo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? See, yeah. And then it was basically that. a group like that to discuss community issues and politics, which they all shared the same views mm-hmm. and how they can hopefully, and you know, they did make a change. Yeah. Huge and changes. there was like the big, big thing that they were pushing for, like, um, in the beginning was definitely like education reform. Uh-huh protesting the vietnam war yep. and housing uh, equality yes mm-hmm. and uh community protection there you go yeah and fighting racism exactly essentially till this day we still yeah. do <laughs> till this day oh, it's not good. changed <laughs> strap the mic now be repeating itself right <laughs> it, so yeah i just wanted to touch on like getting into like i know that the walkouts was like a huge, huge super huge deal and it's still one of the big huge deals till this day it's like the walkouts is known historically as the first major mass action by mexican americans Mm -hmm. aka chicanos in united states history it is like point blank period the first major mass action by chicanos Mm -hmm. in united states history Mm -hmm. was the east la walkouts Mm -hmm. so just like we just need to seriously give it up and like give praise to all of those like young Latinos, young Chicanos who literally young Mexican Americans who put their lives on the line because essentially like people were had their like scholarships taken away. Mm-hmm. They got yep. expelled from school. Like lives were seriously impacted mm-hmm. because they chose to like step out. Right. So now we know historically they say that it was 20,000 students mm-hmm. from five different East Los Angeles schools that walked out or they were also referred to during that time. And it was March of 1968 as the blowouts. Right. Yeah. The blowout. Yep. So the five schools were Lincoln High, Wilson, Garfield, Roosevelt, and Belmont. Yeah, I think they even had like the kids were even outside waiting for the other high school kids to get out. Yeah, exactly. To combine together mm-hmm. and join in the walk. Yeah, and so 20,000 mm-hmm. kids essentially Chingo like, de niños. Converged. <laughs> like, imagine 20,000 Latinos out in the you streets of East LA. Exactly, that's scared, exactly y'all. what happened, bro. Like, But it was like the first time that America saw like organized like, Mexican-American mm-hmm. youth exactly. with leadership and direction, and they were scared as fuck. Yeah, because till this day, and I know they felt the same way back then, but we can't relate this. They were tired. Mm-hmm. They were done. Like, you know what? Fuck this. We're going to open up our our rights. We're yeah. going to do what we need to do. And if you don't like it, pushing, you know, sorry, Dude, I get all into it. And, there was like a, a set of demands that they had for like the school board or whatever, right? Oh yeah, when they, they were, did. When they walked out, it wasn't just like, oh, we're just gonna do whatever, right? They mm-hmm. like it ranged anywhere from like more ethnic food, like more Latino or Mexican food on the menu, mm-hmm. to more Mexican American teachers and counselors. Mm-hmm. They wanted to have ethnic studies classes, essentially. Yeah, you know what I mean. What later turned into ethnic studies in public school system. And also they were fighting for new schools and even things like privileges to use the restroom. Yeah, dude. They weren't allowed to speak Spanish, like Mm -mm. in the hallways or anything Mm -mm. like that. Like, think about now how, like, we encourage, like, I literally, I sent my daughter to um, a... um, 
pre-K program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I paid for this too. Like it wasn't for free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I had to pay for it. It's the dual immersion program. Oh, okay. Where no, they I've teach her that. all in Spanish. Like That's all cool, of her though. curriculum is in Spanish because I don't want her to lose her heritage. So like think about how like I I know that that exists now. Yeah. Because of things like this. Like, it probably exists directly because of this action in 1968. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's crazy to me to think, like, how that had such, like, a ripple effect, right? Exactly. And they literally were fighting for, they didn't know it at the time, and I'm sure they didn't even use that terminology, but Mm -hmm. they were fighting for ethnic studies. Yeah. They were like, bro, we need to know about our culture Mm -hmm. and our people like what's our history exactly you know what i'm saying and i feel you on that because like as me like i'm not a mom but i am like a bonus mom mm -hmm. and when my bonus son does come like i talk to him in spanish he hates it because he doesn't understand it and i get so upset and i'm like and i i'm one of those i'm like i blame my husband for that like not teaching him spanish you know Mm -hmm. like my husband's spanish is not the greatest he's super pocho (laughs) more pocho than me okay but he's proud he's super proud of talking his spanish and i love it and then when I talk to my stepson and about, the, you know, like, oh, uno, dos, tres, he'll be like, what? And I'm like, oh, kid, listen to me. Just count with me in <laughs> Spanish to 10, okay? <laughs> and, but, and it's sad, though, because we don't have him here often. Mm-hmm. So, like, when he's here for, like, a month, it kind of goes away after, you know? See if they have a dual immersion academy over there. <laughs> Girl, I'm probably going to notice. Y'all want to look into especially Girl. right now with everything over the computer. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's doable. Maybe something's available. Yeah. But I'm saying, if not, we got to get him a Spanish tutor because he has the me. culture cannot end there. <laughs> I looked up that Lincoln Heights neighborhood in, on Google Maps and mm-hmm. the Elotero has a little fucking, <laughs> a little oh, marker. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it says Court Man. <laughs> Does he move? Damn. I, I oh. doubt it. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure he's got a little breast or something. Yeah. That's probably why he's there. I love that. See, our gente Fuck are yeah. always también go getters, <laughs> motivator. They and get their money. I, you know what street it's on? Okay. Workman. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly where that's at. Um, Workman and Broadway. If you want some corn, <laughs> <laughs> tell them eight three one comadres and Selena sent you. <laughs> Next time I'm out visiting my my dad out in Southern California. I'm gonna have to note that down. <laughs> we, you might see uh, an Instagram post on eight three one comma right yeah, there exactly. with the Workman Street over, right? Exactly. I like that. <laughs> Turn back in our catalog. Listen to hybrid episode number one. Anyway, there were five total days of walkouts. The police actually turned the walkouts violent. They did because they yeah. would just be posted there and not doing it. And then they took out their batons and their um, fucking water hoses and everything. Yeah, them. they literally y los perros. beat mm-hmm. students and released mm-hmm. and sick dogs yep. on peaceful protesters. Yep. So the same shit is still going on today. To, exactly. It's still not just that, but the police also beat students mm-hmm. inside of Belmont and Roosevelt high schools mm-hmm. because white teachers trapped them. Like in behind locked doors. And so the police came into the schools and beat Chicano mm-hmm. students in on school property. Ain't that some shit, bruh? But you like, know what, dude? Then and now I'm still not surprised. Right? That's a sad thing. Yeah. Like disgusted but not surprised. Yeah. Like, it's one of those. Anyhow, the other thing that um I I noticed it came up in a lot of the history that I did is like a lot of people noted that that 
like even though there was a lot of um like press that showed up they never aired like there or not never but there wasn't a lot of footage aired Mm-mm. of like the walkout there wasn't no it was just their personal documentary and there was this one um newspaper that was back in the 60s Thumbian. i'm trying to remember the name they documented a lot of those uh walkouts and a lot of videoing pictures i forgot what it was called but it was like a big like newspaper in the 1960s when during the walkouts in la mm-hmm. i just can't think of the name right now but it, it's also like a documentary on youtube mm-hmm. i'll find it and i'll like i have to put it up somehow but it shows all las photos all the press yeah everything even like people getting arrested being released from jail and having everyone around and just mm-hmm. like you celebrating that they're out you know yeah. that was recorded i saw it's that like it, we always have to be our own press right like even yeah. to this day it's like people that are come out, out and yeah. Like, yeah exactly like the documentary documentarians shout out to the homie david for yeah. coming out you know shout out he's been to, there since day one también con yeah todo. shout out to just everyone who comes out and mm-hmm. like does the damn thing and and puts it out for the culture bro because that's mm-hmm. what it is like we're literally repeating a lot of this history here so yeah so like several weeks after the walkouts like the school board were like all right cool like we'll meet with students and parents and they also met with like some of the teachers including sal castro but it really didn't lead to anything like you know what i mean like mm-hmm. they didn't really change too much and then um in june on prom night motherfuckers oh, did it on yeah. prom night they arrested like sal and 12 other people like including some of the students mm-hmm, and they, they arrested did. him from c- conspiracy to incite the walkouts and they were they ended up being known as the east la 13 yep and they were facing 66 years in prison imagine being like 17 18 years old with like your whole future in front of you and they're like oh we're gonna take away your freaking scholarship and you're gonna be arrested and faced with 66 years in prison I've seen it. If you watch the movie Walkouts, yeah, um, later produced by Montezuma Esparza and others, um, <laughs> like one one of the original founding members, like literally her family disowns her because of that. Yeah, That's because crazy. they're like, dude, like you're gonna lose your whole life, like blah 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 blah. And she was like, nah, like gotta understand it's for the cause it's for the mm-hmm. people it's and for la like, causa. Nah. exactly and they're like Basically, nah nah yeah. nah and now sh- literally we're here talking about her all these years later because yeah i think that's crazy but anyhow yeah so like they were facing 66 years in prison they were they bailed out right mm-hmm. in did i write down a specific day i just put june 1968 sorry i didn't get a lot of specific dates there but i mean yeah. they they nowadays just a month in the year so mm-hmm. So they ended up bailing out um, because a whole bunch of students, parents and the Brown Berets showed up to to like protest them mm-hmm. being like arrested or whatever. Right. So they made bail. But then like obviously it was like prom night. So it was like the end of the school year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And then later on when the school year started again, like Sal showed up to, you know what I mean? To like start work or whatever. And they're like, nah, you can't teach here no more. <laughs> of course like he got he got let go Mm -hmm. right so then again like students teachers the brown berets like they're like all right what what can we do like let's protest like so there it was still in that whole mode of like protesting and start trying to like bargain and like Mm -hmm. all you know this whole thing right um so that really didn't lead to a whole bunch so they ended up um 
they ended up organizing the sit-ins. Mm-hmm. And so they were oh, like... Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they organized yeah. the sit-ins that later turned it... Well, that turned into the sleep-ins. Mm-hmm. And that for eight days... Mm-hmm. Shit, una they semana like, y- Yeah, I, no. Una semana y un día. Yeah. yeah, they took over like the school board you know, meeting. Yep, I saw that. All or whatever, right? I saw all these videos. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my homework. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. uh, eventually 35 people rested over mm-hmm. the eight days for trespassing. But on the ninth day, <laughs> the school but board the met <laughs> and Sal Castro got his job back. Yep. I love that. It just, it, it gets us, like we said earlier before the show, it gets us wild up and it gets us like our blood boiled. Like, this is why we do what we do and this is what we say what we say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just we're we're tired. We're like the other thing too that I, I want to point out is like two years later, the East LA 13 were all completely exonerated mm-hmm. of all charges. They were all dismissed. Duke to the but how many years later? You said? Two years later, it took them two years. And obviously, like I'm sure it was like before crowdfunding, so I'm sure there was a viejita selling tamales somewhere to raise money <laughs> for their like court fees or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it it's was true, like though. the old school crowdfunding, yeah. the old school GoFundMe type situation. Doing in the right. car washes maybe too yeah i'm sure we're gonna if you dig real <laughs> so, deep oh yeah I was, I was thinking i don't know why i was thinking like wagons and shit like oh. it was a hundred years ago <laughs> oh I was my like, God. Car you've yeah, been reading that book 60s. too much already yeah exactly yeah. i've seen all those wagon stuff but like till this day though like there's been 36 chapters of the brown berets and it's always like established among colleges or university campuses mm-hmm. you know many have fallen but a lot of the chapters have been formed or or, or have been reactivated so yeah. I know we, we, like we said, I'm part of the Brown Beret Oakland unit. There's some in Sacramento. There's down in LA, Bakersfield. There's some in one in Watsonville. They're Fresno, everywhere. Yeah, por donde quiera. And mm-hmm. then I know there's still some, I think, in Colorado that we still keep sure. in touch with. Those are the main ones. Like, you need to be on their good side because if you're not on their good side, you fuck up in any way and you do any there, wrong. You guys still have, like, national leaders oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Leaders or directors? Uh, or? Le- they're, um, I would say leaders. National. Yeah, yeah, I would say leaders because uh, mandatory, like, we have to have, like, a one-month meeting. And before COVID, we would meet up. But right now, mm-hmm. we do everything, obviously, you know. Through Zoom. The new norm. Yep. I do want to point out that like a lot of the times like we go through like these things, right? And they're Mm -hmm. like, where's like the physical evidence that like this meant anything or it was successful in any way? Like, right? Like other than historically of it being the first major, you know, action in the United States and stuff like that. Like, what was the thing that resulted out of that? Like at the time of the blowouts or what we know now as the walkouts during that time, they were known as the blowouts. Um, 57% of the overall population of students in Garfield High School would drop out. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and Sal Castro at the time was quoted as saying is, um, we don't operate in a vacuum. There's a social injustice happening here. Yeah. Like, and so... Yeah, like it makes sense, right? And obviously we're talking about East Los Angeles, which was primarily made up of Chicanos. It was made up of brown people, right? So to have 57% of students at Garfield High School, you know, be dropouts. I mean, this is these are like astronomical rates. And mm-hmm. like, it didn't seem like anyone was concerned or like really truly doing anything about it, right? Yeah. And I feel like things like that later, even, well, it, that was like the start of the school to prison pipeline. Yep. Right. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking that exactly. Too, yeah. But um, they looked at like the the um, <clears throat> the entrances of 
uh, people who identified as like Latino, Hispanic, Chicano, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to UCLA specifically. So um, when the the walkouts started, there were 40 Chicano students that were admitted to UCLA. Oh, wow. In 1960, what was it, 1966? I want to say in 1968. I think 68, yeah. Um, There were 40 students that were admitted. 18 months later, there were 1,250 students admitted to UCLA High School. That's fucking tight. Not UCLA, yeah, Yeah. the University of California that identified as Chicano or Latino. That's tight. See, I love hearing stuff like that. And and they're like, it wasn't just there. I mean, Mm -hmm. the numbers everywhere, like doubled, tripled, quadrupled. I mean, that we were talking about huge, huge um, entrances. You know what I mean? Like the Chicanos not only going into college, but then later being recruited into Mm -hmm. college and even into like the Ivy League university systems and stuff like that. I love hearing that. So... The walkouts, in my opinion, um, and and the opinion of a lot of historians, created a middle class of professional, working, educated Chicanos. Yep. Which later bred a, like a whole different community mm-hmm. of Chicanos, um, and how they self-identified, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean. And if we want to get really into it, you know, we could talk about like. Specific people <laughs> like Corky Gonzalez. We can talk about Montezuma that, Barza. We can talk we can about talk the about, treaties. We can talk about fucking Reyes Lopez. We could talk Treaty of uh, Guadalupe Hidalgo. Why, how it started. You know, we, yeah. we can go way back because it didn't really start in L.A. with the walkouts. It, it's a history where exactly, it started, yeah. which there's so much to look into. And this is like what you said, Sam. This is what we wish that history would teach us now. Like, you mm-hmm. know, our high school or middle or anywhere, you know, not this bullshit missionary stuff like, you know, that, you know, the priest or los padres over here. What's it? The Junipero Sierra. Ese, 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 ese way. <laughs> and it's the little things. And that's why when I took one of like ethnic studies and, you know, I, I didn't go to like big old college like you did. I went to Hartnell High, you know. I went to Hartnell High <laughs> first, bitch. <laughs> but, you know, I, I stayed there and, you know, whatever. I had this one teacher, Mr. Pacheco. If you guys hear this and if you still know about him, he was a fucking badass. He didn't know Spanish. I I do give him shit for that, but oh, he told you the blunt truth when it comes to Chicano history. Yeah, he told you like, you know what? This is how we were treated. This is how it is. If you don't like it, and he told the class at the beginning of his first day, if you don't like how I teach, get the fuck out. I was like, oh my yeah. god. I was like, I like I'm this here. class. Like, I'm here I'm for here the for fucking exactly. adventure. You know, and the I think because of him. And probably one of my teachers in high school, Miss Thurry from Sunnis High, like she was a badass too. Like she gave two, like two fucks how she would teach. Because mm-hmm. of them, I wanted to be a history teacher. But it's ironic. I don't like school. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't want to go to school to be a teacher, but I would love to teach history, especially with Chicano history. That's like been my one of my main that things. That would be super dope. Because there's so much that we could talk about. Hell bro. yeah, there like, is. Hell yeah. But this, the thing that's so beautiful too, it's like, how brown berets looked up to the black panthers you know yeah. how 
pretty much the Black Panthers, who, of course, another o- Oakland, California, Oakland. 1966, Ugh. you know, home of fucking Mac Too Jail. Short, all their magic, all that, you know, all the good home stuff. Of, what did they say? Home of uh, <laughs> Max, Pimps, Pushers, and Players. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, it started there. I mean, they were the openers to everything, you yeah. know? And the Brown Berets, like, uh, modeled, when, once they went into that more mir- militaristic approach and, mm-hmm. and they started started to to participate in 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 politics in a more radicalistic exactly. way exactly i feel like that was really modeled after the black panther party movement exactly also they modeled like a lot of their organization uh-huh. like by it so by yeah. like september 1968 the brown berets had become a national organization and they had chapters in california yep. arizona texas oh, colorado Utah. new mexico yep. chicago detroit minnesota everywhere oregon anywhere there was a concentration of latinos you know any of, of Mexican Americans? I keep on saying Latinos, but they don't identify as that. Mm-hmm. All of this, you know, it's funny. specifically Mexican American. I don't identify myself as Latin or Latina or anything. Like yeah. ever since I heard the name or the word Chicano, Chicana, I was like, "That's me." Yeah, and I, I like was like one. legit. I was like ten when I heard that. Do you know who who came up with that term? The Chicano Chicana. Mm-hmm. No, who? It was. Um, the the who was an activist and journalist, uh, Ruben Salazar. Oh, he okay. said a Chicano is a Mexican American with a non-Anglo view of themselves. That's oh, what it okay. means to be a Chicano. Can can we look that up? I feel like dang, <laughs> I feel like I I hope I didn't butcher that no, incredibly, but. I'm kind of. Can you? <laughs> I'm all looking at you like you're the one with the computer. <laughs> it, it was uh, it was Ruben Salazar. Um, if memory serves me correctly, let's verify that. Also, now that I'm, I'm doubting myself, but and the thing is too, like I like how another thing is that the Black Panthers inspired you know a lot of movements, and then it's the same one struggle. But the thing is like. I w- this is cool and it, we can share this now today because obviously a lot of our Asian community is being um, targeted targeted, right and it's really sad it's violence. upsetting and again there's my brown berets yeah that was the correct quote. oh cool yay <laughs> it's me that's the I went to college <laughs> <laughs> and like a lot of my like brown berets brothers and sisters have been going out to Oakland unfortunately mm-hmm. I can because you guys will hear later after my regalos but like you know we've um, they've been asking us to go and secure especially d- during um, New New Year's um, Chinese New Year's because oh, they were targeted yeah, yeah. and lobby like I see my unit my unit I'm part of like patrolling the streets mm-hmm. you know and it's pretty badass you know like they, they still look up to us or they still look for us asking like hey help us and we'll help you you know because again there was a thing that I saw like basically it's like Black Panthers Brown Berets and I guess there is this one thing that I saw on an article that they asked this Asian man the do you want to be a part of the um black panthers and he was like what the mm. heck like but i'm not black and he was like but you're not white either and Ooh. i was like oh i like that like you know what i love when i heard that and i seen that so what did he he was not part of the black panthers that's joke yeah but, uh, it reminds me of um the quote para todos todo exactly you know what i mean exactly like, this this country was founded and made for um, <clears throat> for whites only, mm-hmm. and that is basically like, and everybody else is the mm-hmm. other, I guess. So uh-huh. all, all the others, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? We all need to band together, exactly. And 
Yeah. And then, like, I'm not sure, like, if it says in that book that you're reading, Oz, but, um, you know, how everything, like, how can I explain it? Like, with the Black Panthers and the Brown Berets, how... And the young lord, the young oh yeah, there you go. I forgot. I forgot. No, I read about that. Love no, and yeah. give it up to the East Coast mm-hmm. and the Puerto Rican community. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. That the the young lord exactly. that was another the huge influence how, of the brown berets. Uh, yeah, but it's just it's crazy. Um, it's not crazy, but it's like they all fought for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And like here, like what I read, brown berets fought for stolen land, and you know for the same reasons what you said earlier. But yeah. aquí. Black Panthers were fighting for police injustice uh, yeah, for African Americans. Yeah, yeah. So it's just you know, and it's crazy because there's a Black Panther, like one of our former um, leader, not leaders, um, part that was part of the group. Um, he was from Seaside, and he spoke at the East Side to Seaside march. That's super dope. Yeah. Dude. Um, so what was his name again? I didn't save the article. Did you remember the name? No. Hold on, I'm gonna find it right well, now. Well, look it up. In the meantime, I just wanted to, like, say by, like, the late 1960s, by, like, you know, 68, 69, 70s, like, the Brown Berets were also known for their direct action against police brutality. Mm-hmm. So that's when they really took on, yeah, that that whole, like, again, that the influence from the Black Panthers and the Young Lords. Um, and so they supported, like, the United Farm Workers Movement, mm-hmm. the Land Grant Movement in Nuevo Mexico. They participated in the... The Rainbow Coalition with Fred Hampton. Um, yeah, there was like a lot of work that happened and that exactly. they did. Another really important one that I wanted to touch on really quick was the Brown Berets' opposition to the Vietnam War. In um, 1970, uh, the Brown Berets helped to organize and, and provided uh, protection and security for uh, the National Chicano Moratorium March that mm-hmm. happened in East Los Angeles. Um, unfortunately, that's where we lost Ruben Salazar. The um, There was three um, Chicano activists that were killed. Two of them were Brown Berets, and one of them was was Ruben Salazar. Dang. Um, yeah. Yeah. By 1972, um, they had disbanded. It. Great mm-hmm. article about that uh, strange rumbling in Natslan by, oh. by Hunter S. Thompson is a really good account of, of uh, yeah, the murder of Ruben Salazar. Mm-hmm. That's great. Awesome. I want to just read that. Yeah. But like, just to end it here, like, I just want to be like this Malcolm X, of course, right? You know, that's you, Malcolm X, right? So I, I saw this quote when I was reading about the Black Panthers and it just said, um, I don't even call it violence when it's in self-defense. I call it intelligence. I mean, bro. I just fucking love the movie and I just got goosebumps every time when I watch it. That's insane. And that's where I end my story right there. <laughs> drop the mic. Uh, mic drop. <laughs> um, but you know what? How to tie it back into like the 831 because we are 831 Comadres. Earlier in the podcast, we had mentioned yeah. <laughs> Montezuma Sparza. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So 831 our hometown of Salinas and obviously Good old we Salinas. were recording in beautiful downtown Salinas. Mm-hmm. Salad Bites Media. Um, but Montezuma Sparza is obviously an activist, later went on to work in film industry. Yep. He worked on uh, Walk Out, the movie. He worked on Selena and so many others, right? Mm-hmm. But he also um, opened up a movie chain. And can you guys guess which movie chain that is? No, and it's not Northridge. No, it's not. It's <laughs> Maya Cinemas. Yep. When you go and watch Ding. Maya Cinemas, you're supporting Montezuma Sparza because he, Chicano. 
Yes, he he is part of the ownership of that. He formed that movie chain, you know, that mm-hmm. of of movie theaters or whatever. <laughs> and the very first one he opened was right here in the beautiful Salinas, Salinas California. Anything for Salinas. So. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I wouldn't feel corny. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took the place of an old theater, too. So it was pretty cool that it kind of kept that alive, you know. I said the little it, vibe there. Yeah. yeah. I remember there was an alley there. Do you remember? Oh, there used to be yes. A little, uh, alley there. Ooh. That dude way Dijissimo. back in the day. And a hat store or something. That was like a back in the day. Store. I didn't know that. A hat store? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I feel, I feel like, I feel like. <laughs> <Fucking> weird. <laughs> exactly. That's like one of those things, right? Like uh, you, you won't ever kind of see again. I feel like. You know, people don't really, Mm-mm. you don't need a brick and mortar for that so much anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, the traveling salesman who sells like encyclopedias and like things of this mm-hmm. nature, like those <laughs> are also no longer needed. Like, yeah, <laughs> different worlds we live in. But <laughs> Every now day. I'm, I'm all thinking of death of a salesman now. Oh my God. Oh. What? what I, I just need to know that that guy's. Name? What was the guy? I don't know why, name? but when I thought right now, like salesman, I was Willie thinking Loman. of oh, Napoleon okay. Dynamite. Well, anyway, <laughs> I don't know why we were just talking. It's just like but that was a, a a great account, of early history of the Brown Berets. That I, I mean, I was sitting here quietly because I was just like absorbing <laughs> it, learning it a lot. So um, that was that was awesome. That was great work. Thank you. Um, but yeah, like I said, that this is uh, the end of Black History Month, so I wanted to do something about uh, locally i was like well what is it locally and and like i said i came across this book and it was so interesting just Mm -hmm. like anything else you look you look in the history of salinas and it is interesting and and dude let's be real like there's three mexicans sitting here and and this is (laughs) salinas right it's all mexican there's not that many black people here Mm -hmm. um so i was just like it's interesting to to be like holy shit they have a really deep history they do uh in salinas and well even before salinas it's interesting so basically black folk and filipino folk let's go don't know now you know all (laughs) the way back well it goes all the way back to 1769 to the original de anza expedition all the way back then when yeah so because the way that they came up is the the ad expedition when they founded San Diego first, that was the first thing they founded in California, in mm-hmm. Alta California. And then they split up. Half of it went by boat. Half of it went by land. So some of the people that worked on the boats were black. And one of them actually, that his name still exists, uh, Alejo Nino. It's Nino, because there's no freaking little thingy for the engine. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it's Alejo Nino was... But it probably is Nino, but they wouldn't like acknowledge that, right? Like, well, no, because the Spanish had, they were different than you know oh, they, huh. they they didn't have slavery as much as as the English mm-hmm. and all that. I mean, they they did other and like speaking of the Philippines and shit. I mean, they yeah they weren't nice people. The fucking the Spanish weren't nice, but they they didn't. They saw anybody that wasn't Catholic as below them. Yeah. So. <laughs> We're also talking about a black man here, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. A- so he probably did take on the name of his owner. He wasn't a slave. No, he wasn't? No. Okay. No. So where did where do we get the Nino from? I don't know. That's not an African last name, you feel me? 
Well, I mean, yeah, he been. I mean, he came with the Spanish, so he could have been yeah. living with the Spanish for a while. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but Sorry, anyway, I'm yeah, questions so, you don't have. So the he came. To. Yeah, well, no, that <laughs> that is definitely that a loss to history. Yeah, and exactly. There is actually a cross for him. It's not his actual burial plot, but there's a, a cross commemorating him at the uh, Monterey Presidio. Still, Ooh. I don't think it's open to the public. I don't know how you would go to there, but. Um, but yeah, but that it's interesting that it goes all the way back to 1769 with the first Europeans came the first African or person of African descent. Mm-hmm. So they've been here as long as white people have been here. <laughs> <laughs> I like cra- how we just put that it, in there. Crazy. <laughs> Um, and dude, and then from there, so I'm going to go, I just went through this book and just found like, there's families and stories that just stood out to me and I just kind of grab those out and especially ones that pertain more to Salinas Mm -hmm. a lot of this um, like Pacific Grove comes in a lot surprisingly and Seaside of course I mean I um, I would it, assume seaside. Yeah, I was going to say that. But yeah. Pacific Grove's a big. That's a, well, that's actually, a shocker. And let's go there because, uh, dude, <laughs> if you grow up in yeah, if you grow up in this area, you know, like that. It's as funny We're as it is because seaside segregated. is. It's, yeah, Salinas. Uh, <laughs> let's be real. But and seaside's so tiny, but like that's the black city or the black neighborhood or whatever yeah, yeah, of, of yeah, this area. Most like, and I was like, yeah. why? Like, why the fuck, dude? You know, like, why, why is that? Yeah. And apparently, it's because obviously because of Fort Ord. Mm-hmm. So it's because of Fort Ord mm-hmm. and a lot of the peninsula cities had racial covenants so that you legally couldn't sell your house to, to black, black people. people. Mm-hmm. Seaside was the only community in the area that didn't have that. So so that's where we're, they were forced to at first, but they immediately, immediately incorporated them. So that was so fascinating. The The black community of Seaside should be so proud of itself. This book showed that like they immediately showed up and just took control and was like, all right, we're here. Fuck it. In, <laughs> in 1954, the Seaside was incorporated as a city. The first African-American on city council was 1956. I love that. And they've had. What year was that? 1956. And we're talking about a time that existed like where like where like segregation before the civil rights era. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Segregation was still a real thing. And honestly, there were like signs where it said no dogs, blacks or Mexicans allowed. Like they put us in those categories. You know what I mean? Like I've read the history books and seen those fucking signs where here in Monterey County, it said no dogs. It just baffles me how that shit was there once a day. Like, Like, you know, it still bothers me. But yeah. And also another reason why that became an, a, a concentration because you would think, well, it's not just Fort Ord, like, okay, they're soldiers. You would think yeah. well, white people too, but also because of segregation in the South, a lot of soldiers that were in, in interracial marriages were shipped to Fort Ord because that California didn't have such mm-hmm. racist thinking. So that's another racist reason assholes. why. <laughs> Well, we yeah. were like, you know, let's not get ourselves such a pat on the back. No. I mean, there were literally it, it ordinances cool. that oh, said you I have couldn't live I'll, here because you're black. But we're saying they I'll were definitely like get into the story seventy percent racism. Yeah, hundred. I'll definitely no. get. We were known as the hippie state too, no? So yeah, we definitely <laughs> invented that and started here, Monterey Pop. Um, yep. So all then, seventeen sixty nine again is the the first 
person of African descent to show up. And then the ne- next cool story is in 1850. I mean, this is cool, but cool, but sad. Oh my God. <laughs> this is, this ends not nice. So in 1850, Spoiler uh, alert. yeah. <laughs> oh. in, in 1850, a guy by the name of James Anthony, again, a, a black, black man, I'll say black dude. Seemed kind of weird. <laughs> He was cooler than that, man. <laughs> James Anthony, he moved to, to the Salinas area uh, to what's called Blanco, mm-hmm. where when you go over the river mm-hmm. uh, on Blanco yep. Road, there's like a little, they still used to sell pottery and shit like right, oh, okay. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the old village of Blanco. That's, that's the remnants of it. That's what, if even like go on Google Maps and it'll still say Blanco there. So, <laughs> In 1850, there was no bridge there because there was no cars. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, James Anthony, was a fucking entrepreneur. He set up a ferry across the, the river there. Oh, so, cool. you you know, if you wanted to go because so the Salinas area, there was nothing. Salinas wasn't there yet, but like they grew wheat and shit there. Mm-hmm. So when you wanted to go across, you would get on his thing. And it, it's they have pictures here. It's so interesting. You would sit <laughs> on this like little bucket and then you would rope you across the river. It was fucking <laughs> It's ingenious because again, (laughs) leave it to people of color to like create something smart stuff like that. Yes, the ingenuity of our people. What do they say? Something is the mother of invention. Necessity. There you go. Well, in 1852, (laughs) tragedy struck. um, Bandits used the fucking little crossing to cross the river and rob everybody in Blanco. (laughs) (laughs) They were they just. There's always cagapalos. Huh? <laughs> they fucked everything up. They siempre hay uno. And it's crazy because they varios. Hay varios. <laughs> so so the sheriff was like, we can't let this stand, man. Fuck that shit. So he rounds up a posse, including James Anthony. James Anthony finds the gang. He kills the leader. Um, <laughs> so he was down too. He, yeah. <laughs> he the brown berets would have recruited homeboy. <laughs> Um, and two years later, tragedy struck yet again when seven men came back looking for James Anthony and they found him and they killed his wife, father, child, and two other guys staying at the inn that they ran in yeah, Blanco. Poor dudes are just like, wow, we finally made it to Monterey. Yeah. We're going to cross the time. river tomorrow. And then these fucking guys. So, yeah, this dude was left broken. Uh, apparently from there he just yeah he was just not the same left Monterey and died alone in San Francisco in 1862 oh shit and yeah that's that was like fuck that is I don't want to hear that what a story oh that get better (laughs) (laughs) I just that's where the whole saying comes from an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind yep oh damn dude and um let's see dude from there let's talk about we'll talk about the Coopers dude I want to talk about the Coopers. Yeah, yeah. Hanging with Cooper. That, I was just going to say, that's Cooper. a dope name. Yeah. That's a dope last name to have. Let's Dude, talk about the it. The Coopers are one of the uh, like original Salinas pioneer black families. Uh-huh. They came in 1900 with a, a dude by the name of Struther Alex Cooper. I don't know <laughs> if I don't know if Struther means something because his children were also named Struther and then a name. Uh-huh. Like my mom and and all her sisters are all Maria and then a name. Uh-huh. All that, yeah. I wonder oh, if Struther is that or if like that means George something. George Foreman because he named all his kids George. George. Oh, same thing, probably. Yeah. Is that a thing? maybe? It's a, yeah. I don't know. Could have been that. I mean, like Jose, Jose Luis, and Jose Juan, Angel, Juan, Juan Jose, Diego, Jose, Juan Jose. Juan. Sorry. Well, yeah, <laughs> he Alex 
Alex Cooper or Struther Alex Cooper moved to Salinas in 1900. And in 1911, he opened a, a shoeshine stand. It's interesting. A bunch of the early black businessmen were shoeshines. That's like one of the only things they could have done. Mm-hmm. But they did it. There was like three of them in fucking Old Town. Like, oh, shoot. It was, one would start one. And then they would go back to Texas or Louisiana, wherever they were from, and like, dude, Salinas is the fucking promised land. It's not that racist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, and that was the promised land, right? That's so sad. It's not that racist. It, there's still motherfuckers that suck. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But they ain't burning crosses in front of your house and shit. No, girl, like, Mass- what's that one movie, Mississippi Burning? Have you seen that one? Yeah, that's. Oh my God. That heavy. shit is heavy right there. Okay, sorry. So, anyway, so. Struther and his wife, Sarah Cooper, who mm-hmm. there's a picture of her and she's like the most classiest looking lady. She's, she's got like beautiful. a white yeah, gloves I saw on. That. And, um, so him and uh, Alex and Sarah have two children by the name of Leonard and Ignatius. And Leonard Love these Cooper, names. dude, Leonard Cooper should be, <laughs> that name should be more well known in Salinas. I'm sure there's people that know that. But he was a very well respected playwright, musician, and uh, and painter. He was mm-hmm. a watercolorist, mm. and he's got a well, – there's a watercolor picture here from 1930 of the East Side, or Alice L, as it was called back then. <laughs> the and um, and he founded in, – in the early 1900s, he founded something called the Salinas Valley Art Association. Like that, that's tight. A black person. It's that you, you took that word straight out of my mouth. A black man did that, yo. And that's so amazing. And he was drawing, and he did that, and he was drawing pa- paintings of the East Side in water watercolors. I freaking love that. Yeah, that painting should be everywhere. It should. <laughs> it really should. Pic- why? Why are we? Why don't we have that like somewhere up in City Hall? Like, why aren't we not with like a picture of homeboy who drew it? Like actual that's history true. of yeah. Salinas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, Council it members, Kurt, let's well, get on that. It says it that it's at the Monterey County Historical Society, but I'm sure they can get a scan of it and you I know, know print a really high quality. Um, but anyway, Ignatius Cooper. So, dude, so Alex Cooper, the the patriarch. This dude was smart. He mm-hmm. he immediately bought property on Maple Street and built a house and then rented it out. This guy's they're fucking so next he level. Could've... What what era are we in? Because didn't they like exclude? Oh no, it was the Asian community they excluded from Maple Park forever, right? I don't know that part. Yeah, it wasn't you couldn't if you were Asian, you couldn't buy property in Maple Park till like nineteen eighty something here in Salinas. There was like a whole fucking ordinance or whatever. Well, there, yeah. Well, this it comes back because that house that they rent out, whatever. I'm I'm assuming it was a white family they were renting it to. But the son Ignatius, who he joined the war, Ignatius. Yeah, his that's own, a cool Ignatius name. Co- that's what Cooper. I'm saying. I like that name, and Leonard and Ignatius. Leonard reminds me of served Bing Bing in World War II in the army. So he serves, retires from the army, comes back to Salinas, says, "Fuck it, I'm going back to the family house." Mm. So, and this is straight out of the book. I'm just going to read from the book here. Um, after getting married, he desired to move back into the house on Maple Street, but faced a petition from the neighbors asking him not to move into the house he had owned for many years. The neighbors did not want the black couple to live in the neighborhood. Jesus Christ. Eventually, Cooper moved into his house, but it was saddened by the way he was treated. Um, and there, this family is actually mentioned in Travels with Charlie, John Steinbeck. Nice. Um, but yeah, but this guy whose fucking family moved... It were in Salinas in 1900, mm-hmm. whose dad had a, a business who bought land and 
respected. He, his, he fought in the war, mm-hmm. comes of the back, community. and his neighbors start a fucking petition saying they because don't want a black, black family in the neighborhood. Mm. This was after the World War II, you know, so it wasn't like, oh, 200 years ago it was crazy. It was like, no, this no. was like 80 or, mm, I don't know, what's the math? Around <laughs> <laughs> 2020. We're not that good at years. Guys. It was just a while ago. Between okay? 30 and 1,000 years ago. Shut up. <laughs> Here's my thing is like, don't the confuse people, the Gen Z kids now. <laughs> I, I often say this the people who live through this are still alive, motherfucker. Yeah, they, yeah. Sorry, definitely. If I just yelled in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> We're used to it. Me upset. <laughs> no, I totally, that's true. I mean, like, my grandmother, God rest her soul, wherever she's at right now, she's been through that shit. She went through racist shit here in Salinas. I always, I mean, I know this is like, you know, off topic or quick bit, but like my grandmother, there was a racist asshole bus driver, always gave my grandma hard shake, would call her every fucking name in the book against Mexicans. So one day, I know, I'm not going to say those names, but they were not nice words. But then one day my grandma got tired. Her broken English was like, me, me fucking Mexican, fuck you fucking white man and my grandma told him to fuck off like you know what and her broke and her broke ass english but she did the damn thing that's why racist has been and was still sadly alive so you another character in early (laughs) in early 1900 salinas was a, a black cowboy, which again makes sense, you know. Sel- yeah, Selena's yeah. Rodeo. Oh, is that the picture I saw? That yeah. the guy writing. Oh, okay, it's, okay. It's a actually pretty famous one. You'll you'll usually see, especially if anyone talks about a black cowboy, they're gonna use that picture. It, it's him I'm all in Rucker. the middle <laughs> of. No. Yeah. No, he sings country. I know. I not a black kidding. cowboy, but I was gonna say the one that's a black. Who's the kid that showed up at the award show in that all pink cowboy suit? Lil Nas X. Yeah. yeah, the one. A lot of people think he's the first black cowboy. We're like, no, 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 no. No, no Jesse yeah. Stahl is in the Cowboy Hall of Fame. This guy's legit. Is that he's, him in the book? Yeah. Oh, okay. He's not from Salinas, but he got famous in Salinas. So he. Because of the rodeo. He, yeah. He kind of adopted mm-hmm. Salinas as his hometown. He seems to have been very active, spent his mm-hmm. time here, had his horses here. And he was super famous because he was <coughs> probably the best cowboy of his generation, but because nice. of racism, he never won. Mm. He never placed higher than third. And all his competitors were like, it, it wasn't even close. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't even a fucking competition. This guy blew all of us out of the water. And one time, he's so famous. This is his big famous thing. And I couldn't tell. Some stories say it happened in Oregon. Some stories say it happened here in Salinas. So it was one of those typical weekend. He blows everybody out of the water. It wasn't a competition. And they give him, I think, second. They give oh, him wow. second. This is the only time, the highest he's ever placed. They give him second place, the first time in his career. And he was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> so um, he fuck? goes to the judges. He he gets a, one of those bronking bucks, whatever, those horses. He gets on it backwards and he gets a suitcase in another hand and he rides the fucking thing <laughs> backwards. That- the 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 picture that we have out there, the cutout or whatever that they do oh. for the rodeo, that guy's holding a suitcase. And one of yeah, those really? cutouts. There is. is yeah. Really? That's, That's him. fucking That's tight. Him. That's him. I'm gonna go drive. Oh, now. I just got the chills. Yeah. That, <laughs> That's crazy. No. That's hey, if that cowboy is not black, I'm gonna be pissed. I'm He's gonna get brown. one of my tag homies. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get one of my tag homies to make them black. Now that oh, I'm thinking shit. about it, I've, he you is know what? holding definitely, a suitcase. Oh, it's That's, definitely him. That's Jesse Stahl. 
That's fucking nuts. That's tight. Yeah, that, yeah this guy is. I love legend. that I'm on this episode of <laughs> Selena Underground podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Yeah, so Jesse Stahl, you you that's you have to know that. You know, that's just a, a dude's a legend. The dude's a legend. If if you're a black cowboy and you think, oh, there's not a lot of us out there, look up Jesse Stahl. <laughs> so he just rides this bull with a. It was a horse. Oh, I'm sorry, a horse with a freaking backwards with, with a suitcase mm-hmm. and just like to just impress the crowd just to do it yeah just to show the judges like you guys are racist i'm the best look what i can do they so call it a liter- suicide ride it, they, it literally like he named that that's still a thing people do it and they're, it's called a suicide ride and it's why jesse stall that's tight why do all the things that are like banned from like sports and stuff it's because black people can do it and white people can't what's the what's the move in in figure skating where they like go over their head or whatever, and it's like a black girl did it, and then they like banned it. Backflip. Yeah, it was like a black. <laughs> it's a backflip, but it's like, yeah, because it's supposed to be to graceful or whatever. Yeah. And I get so fucking no. undertones of racism. Yeah, basically saying even when it was a whole is, gymnastics thing. This is a white thing. people's sport because yeah. it's we're pretty. Yeah, the whole like, even when you. it was You're the, not that talented. the Olympics with the gymnastics. And they did the whole conspiracy, not conspiracy, I'm sorry. They did the whole like fucking speech about, I I think her first name was Gabby. And she was one of yeah, the, like yeah. the goldest and she, you know, they she's judged like her. The, the most celebrated yeah. gymnast. And, and like, they, they yeah. judged her for her outfit for being too pro- risque, risque or, or something. And, yeah, yeah, provocative. And, and I'm just like. That's your perverted ass. I know. It's like, <laughs> like, your mind, bro. I like, know. I was like, like, like what she knows. Like, dude, let her do her damn thing. She was bombed too when she did it. Yeah. So. Um, Cowboy, let's, man. this is a cool story. This one is just like a little sweet story. I had to, I had to include Aww. this one. Um, and it's, <laughs> dude, this is, this is the one that like every, every one of these history things has one section. that's like, that should be a movie. This is the one that, that should be a movie. And this is the story of Rutherford Hayes Walker and like Minnie Davis. Name. I love those names. <laughs> um, it's writing itself. Yeah. I don't even got to change these names. So, so uh, Rutherford Hayes Walker and Minnie Davis were, were taking the train independent of each other. They didn't know each other. They were going to San Francisco um, it the, the date is April eighteenth, nineteen o six, and the train stops in in Salinas. The train makes a stop. Says, "Yo, we can't go forward. There was an earthquake. San Francisco is destroyed." <laughs> <laughs> so destroyed. I was like, "Wait, that date seems significant." But I didn't yeah. say anything. <laughs> yeah, April eighteenth, nineteen o six. If you're a history buff, or again, if you're northern Northern California, that date California. might just stand out. Uh, but yeah, that is the the great earthquake of San Francisco, and so because of that, they they were forced to stop in Salinas. Minnie Davis was a Methodist, and so she was able to get of uh, some of room in Pacific Grove because Pacific Grove was founded at the, as a Methodist retreat by David Jacks mm-hmm. <laughs> from from the Monterey Jack Cheese <laughs> who was an asshole. Um, and if you don't know that history, go back a couple episodes of Salinas Underground. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Minnie gets a room in Pacific Grove. Obviously, she's in, she's in Salinas. So this, this gentleman by the name of Rutherford Hayes Walker says, Hey, can I, I'll carry your bags for you. I'll carry them to Pacific Grove. 
And Some I don't know. Salinas? The, yeah. Man, what a gentleman. Yeah, something must. And I, yeah, and he. What's the name? My kid could be named after you, Rutherford <laughs> Hayes Jr. Like Rutherford Hayes, isn't that a president? He must be named after a president. It's interesting. There's a lot. There was also like a George Washington and stuff. You mm. get a lot of black people like named George after George Washington Jones or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. That's interesting. I um. So yeah. So he carries her bags again. This is April 1906. I don't know what the fuck he said. On that talk, but they got married in September. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, see, that's where the like, you know, magic of like, you know, uh, playwriting or screenwriting comes in, right? So that's where someone who's writing the movie does their thing. Yeah, that fast forward. (laughs) Yeah, that promenade as they promenaded to Pacific Grove. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, uh, Rutherford. In 1920, opens a, a a boot shine stand in Carmel because Carmel has a lot of horse riding people. Yeah. So he sets it up, says 50 cents a shine, makes money. Uh, <laughs> Not up, money. Yeah. I mean, money, money. 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 Yeah. He ended up buying a house in Pacific Grove, which as of the publishing of this book in 2014 was still owned by the family, which is fucking neat. I have- fucking love that. Yeah, that's badass. Probably the only black family in Pacific Grove. (laughs) The Hazes. (laughs) Or the Walkers, I mean. The Walkers. Um, Yeah, that... That was just such a neat story of like the earthquake. So they have to stop because of the earthquake. And this guy's just like, hey, she's cute. Hey, can I carry your bags? You know, and... A couple months oh, later, they're he married. Didn't say she's cute. He married her a couple months later. He was stunned. He, he was, was floored by yeah. her beauty. She must have walked gracefully and spoke softly. Man, don't he, undermine this woman. She was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he passed away in 1947. I don't know why I have that written down, but <laughs> it's <yeah>. just there. <laughs> I'm sure it was after a long happy but life. That's a nice story. I like stories like that. Also, I learned that Langston Hughes lived for a year in Carmel. Really? I had no fucking clue. Yep. I oh, knew that. Shit. I Yet knew that. another artist um, and a major, major black artist. I mean, one of the mm-hmm. leaders of the Harlem Renaissance. That's uh, tight. And he says, oh, uh, Carmel was a prejudice-free place until <laughs> Fort Ord opened and Southerners <laughs> came spreading racial problems. <laughs> that was his little, so his little quote about us. Uh, but where's the uh, lie, right? About exactly. Carmel. <laughs> But that's, I mean, and again, go back and listen to the episode we did with Ariel Mar. This is like, this area is mm-hmm. a hot spot for artists. Yeah. For whatever reason, it calls people mm-hmm. to our particular neck of the woods. But it was just, we're really blessed to be here. And, you know, and like you said, like Ariel said, like, it's just, it's for some reason, artists are just called here. Maybe it's mm-hmm. for the, the scenery. Like, we're next to the beach. We're like, what, how far away from the beach? It's the people in the culture, bitch. No, just <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm just trying to be like, mm-hmm. no, it's really it like, is. it's beautiful out here. We're really mm-hmm. lucky to be here. And that's why, you know, people want to come here. I glossed over one of my, what I, I feel, this is like the, the fact of the show. I'm stealing that from stuff you should know. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. You guys influence me a lot, obviously. I'm stealing your segment. <laughs> But this this absolutely fucking blew my mind. And this is actually kind of what got me wanting to reach out to you as to do this collaboration mm-hmm. with this hybrid. <laughs> I like that. Um, so there was possibly, maybe, I don't know, this is old, very old things, a slave living in Salinas. 
owned by the Barden family, who is very famous in that there's a school and a fucking street named yeah, after them. Um, so, and he existed. I mean, whether this was a real person, whether he was working for the family here by choice is murky. <laughs> he yeah. ran away, so, so I don't I, I think so. So, yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Tell us. James please. Barden, Jim Barden. The, the Bardens, and it's interesting because that's a, I don't know if they're still around. I'm going to like, this episode's never going to come out. And never, no one's ever going to hear of me again. Like the Bard- <laughs> if up. the Bardens still exist. Exactly. We all know where to look. <laughs> Wait, we know if who Oz did it. missing. And the Bardens like, did it. Yeah. We're going to come looking because I need this show produced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyhow. Yeah. So James, James Barden came from Mississippi. They own, they, they were definitely, I mean, this is, some genealogy website uh, that I found that says the Bardens and the Walkers were prominent families among the ar- aristocracy of the old South. Then came the civil war. And so they bounced. And so they, they brought one of their slaves from there. At least one. That at least of. one uh, by the name of Lewis Barden. So Lewis Barden, uh, and he wasn't a cousin. This is what they did back in the day: mm-hmm. is that for purposes of the census, mm-hmm. that you would have to list all of your slaves, give them names, and, and put because their last they name. didn't take like any of them. the exactly the history mm-hmm. or documentation from when they brought them over, obviously from their motherland, they would just give them the family name, right? But they mm-hmm. would be listed as quote unquote colored. Yep. Yeah. So it's so interesting. And and this guy, if you look at Santa Cruz County historical records, they show Lewis Barden shows up in Corralitos in 1856. I love how they put it. After ducking out on his old master. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He farmed farmed a few acres. Yeah, exactly. Like if he ditched him. (laughs) Like if he was like, peace, homie. (laughs) Like he was fucking a slave. No, they hope you como las novias de rancho vestido alborotado. Like, come on. But anyway, the framing of that. It's just. It was such a big deal the that the Burcio Vasquez. Yeah, people were up thing. in arms about that, they, right? They were because so upset. Yeah, but and I, the Bardens are probably you know the you could be like it's named after the family, not one particular person. When they did, they were a pioneering family of Salinas. They were very influential. They were one of the founding families of this city. They did very good mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. early Salinas. But so, again, they can defend it that way. But you can't throw a fucking fit about naming a Spanish thing because he was a bandito or whatever. Yeah. And then be gloss over the fact that the Bardens owned a slave. And it wasn't that, oh, they were a slave owning family in Mississippi. Like, no, they brought a slave with them and had him enslaved in a free state. This was California. We were never a fucking slave state. Hmm. Um, and this is documented and people yeah, just are like, oh, in several, several places. And a school is named after the Bardians in a street. A school in a street. And it's, it's, it's in hmm. the Mexican side of town. You know, it's, it's in the immigrant side of town and it's, 
Well, it's in the in Alice town. Al School well, District. Yeah, no. Um, but mm, who do we need to talk to? It, it's just so interesting, and I'm not saying I got rename it over, but if we're gonna, I am. If we're, <laughs> we got, we just, they just renamed that little part of Highway 68 con- that was called Confederate Corners that mm-hmm. nobody even knew until somebody was like, change the name. I was like, what the fuck? That thing has a name. I don't even know that <laughs> shit. Yeah, I think it was like one of those green and white signs up there, though. I think that's why it was like upsetting. I don't know how, yeah, but it's just just interesting how that, yeah, that one was shocking to me that I don't get how, I mean, it's Selena's, it's not like Selena's history is like a hot topic in everybody's conversation, but I'm just like, but even the fact that like we all live, grew up here the majority of our lives, you know, and went to the through public school systems here in Salinas, like, you know what I mean? In the Alisad, like, I went to Al Middle School, uh, shout out, share with sharks, you feel me? Like, you know, and like, we're not taught any of this stuff. It's like insane. It's crazy. To the me. mascot of Barden School is the Chieftains. Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Like, damn, y'all gonna just keep rubbing it in, right? <laughs> I like how you put the and then. <laughs> I had to look that up. So yeah, anyway, I'll wrap this up because them. I'm sure people are like, "Woo, this is this little hybrid is wearing me out." Like, <laughs> um, but I I just have to talk about this this woman because to this also was this is another just just like uh the Cooper son I'm blanking on his name now um, on Leonard Cooper. Another like a name that I feel should be way more known in Selena's history. This lady. I just thought of something because you said Leonard Cooper, and then in the Big Bang Theory, it's Leonard, and then it's Sheldon Cooper. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You thieves! You stole the name. The great Selena's pioneer, (laughs) Leonard Cooper. I see what you did there. (laughs) Just one of them, pink watercolors. But, But this and. Ah, this this woman deserves a whole episode on her own, and I don't know. I I'm just reading the name, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correct. But Agnes Dronet Tebow Tebow Tebow. Um, she is an amazing person that that needs to be known in Salinas. She came in 1937. Some stories say she came looking for her her dad. Some stories say she came with her dad. Um. Because he worked at the Spreckles sugar plant. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, again, it's one of those where it's like, it's only kind of racist, dude. So that's better than because t- she was from Texas. Mm-hmm. And oh, okay. so she goes back to Texas and she literally called Salinas the promised land. She was I'm like, eh, probably should travel <laughs> more. <laughs> travel more before you say that. <laughs> um, so she would go back there and tell people like, dude, this is fucking cool. Y'all got to move to Selena. So she started getting people to move there, including a dude, Louis Bonnie, Tebow, Tebow. I don't know. Again, Tebow, go Tebow. Um, so she meets Louis Bonnie Tebow or Bonnie. Let's just call him Bonnie because that's what they called him. She meets Bonnie in Texas. They get married. They move over here. Bonnie also is a fucking badass, dude. Bonnie gets to Salinas. I think there's like 15 people in Salinas at this point. So he's like, fuck this. We need something for us. So he found the NAACP chapter of Salinas. Tight. They didn't even have enough people, enough black people to sign the petition to get their like charter. Mm -hmm. So... And again, somebody in here is like, fuck, I wish I could remember their names because some white people had a sign. And that shit was mm-hmm. like, they're like, 
you're going to be fucking persona non grata after this shit. Fuck. But people did it because there's only 15 allies. of them. Allies. You feel me? Yeah. Allies. That's what I'm talking about. Dude, and all, another thing that Bonnie did, and I mean, I'll get back to Agnes because Agnes was also amazing, but another, I didn't, this, I was blown away. Bonnie started a Negro Leagues team. So Selena's had a Negro Leagues baseball team called the Golden Dragons. I love that. Dude. I like that. And it's so fucking, dude, amazing. And this is where I'm like, the, the black community is so awesome in that they mm-hmm. just band together. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care if there's 12 of us. Like, we'll figure it the fuck out. That's enough for a baseball team. You know? Yeah, like, please, I don't care if, if not, we'll do a basketball us. team. That's only five. You know, like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we we'll, got this. We'll do tennis if we I, have to. I love that that guy was, it's all right if there's only 12 of us. I'm going to convince three white people to sign the petition. I'm sure that they <laughs> motherfuckers roll their eyes so hard. Like, I right, let's see him do this shit. <laughs> yeah, so... Dude, so Bonnie starts in, in 1939, starts the the chapter of the NAACP. In the 1940s, he opens a shoe shine <laughs> again. <laughs> it's, it's so odd. They're so industrious. They're just like, fuck it. If that's all I can do, I'm going to be the best at it. Mm-hmm. So he opens a shoe shine at the the base of what was then called the Jeffrey Hotel. It's it's the, the cheese spot building. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's still there. The the cheese spot building. Actually, if you notice, the cheese spot building has kind of like a big courtyard in front of it, like yeah. that, a huge. Yeah. That used to be buildings. <laughs> oh wow! That, the buildings would used to go literally all the way up to to Alisal. Oh. So that that big chunk, you know, that's mm-hmm. just like it's like a thirty foot wide sidewalk. All of a sudden, it's brick yeah. and it's brick. It those are buildings. Those used to be buildings. That's crazy. Actually, my homegirl, Lisa, she has a family home up in uh, White Rock and um, invited us out there. And she has a, a picture of that. And you see the hotel. You can oh, really? See the, yeah. That's tight. yeah it's well, like, I'm pretty sure if you look at the bottom, you'll see the shine stand. And that's Bonnie Tebow's shine stand. Huh, that's um, cool. I'm gonna look. I took a picture of that actually, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna look that up right now as you finish <laughs> your story because I'm highly intrigued. <laughs> yeah, well, and Ag- so Ag- his wife Agnes was also like, man, there's nothing for us to do, so she starts a social club to so they can do meetups and stuff and called the Culturette Social Club. Oh, it's like a women's circle for us. <laughs> it, <laughs> I it, love it's exactly that. what it was. <laughs> and there's pictures of them, and they're again all dappered up and shit. Um, is that in the book too? Yeah. This Aww. is fucking amazing. That, that's in the book. Yeah, the Culture and Social Club. Like, come on, that needs to make a comeback. The cult what's it? What the culture club? The Col- culture cult- and social club. Oh, I was thinking no, like culturettes. Culturettes. Yeah. I was like, there's wasn't like a band in the eighties, something like the culture club? No, no culture the- clash is what you're thinking about. Oh no, I was that's thinking like uh, Boy George. I don't know. Yeah, why. that's Boy George, Culture Clash. It's cu- culture clash? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. But she was she was a huge in in again, Selena's life, city life. And one thing that her and her husband did mm-hmm. is they helped found the St. James Colored Methodist Church on Calle Cebu, which, uh, again, by the at. expo grounds, you know, when oh, we, when the Rodeo, yeah, the back, La Feria the, right there. The mm-hmm. back, right? Yeah, yeah. there's a church the there, and it's, church. it's still, to it's this still day, it's St. James. I don't know if they... Well, it says CM. It'll say CMC. 
if you look at it, it doesn't say colored. It says CMC. I don't know if that sign is still out there, but yeah, it's still a Methodist still church. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, it was Agnes and Bonnie that helped found this church. That is insane. That, cool. Yeah, that building is actually the original chapel from Fort Ord mm-hmm. or one of a chapel from Fort Ord. They bought that and had the building transported from Fort Ord to Salinas. Mm, cool. That's amazing they, history. Yeah, they, the church like was originally this. on Market Street. Was it really? Mm-hmm. So these are the buildings that they need to like put like this is history here. You know how like yeah. the what the other? fucking Steinbeck house and there's that one house that was yeah. on Romy Lane and now they moved it to the um Oh, the first mayor's house? Yeah. The, the Harvey Baker house? Yeah. Yeah, those for like sure. The, this uh, St. Saint, Saint James Methodist. That is, should be a history pretty, mark right there. Yeah, it's one of those that it's like, okay, in Historical national. Landmarks. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those like on the national scale. It's, it's, like, oh, it's just another Methodist church. But on the local one, it's like, dude, that and is you know what? meaningful. Yeah. Exactly. And we have so few things that are still preserved till this day yeah. like that. I feel like it's so important and very worth it for us to do the footwork yeah. to actually get, you know, the black and brown things that we still do have preserved. And like you said, you know, yeah. historical monuments so that and that gives it certain protections under the law and, you know, stuff like that. It's just it really, really is important to do that. Yeah. That, um that work, you I know. I totally agree. All right. Well, I'm going to finish this off with with this other with another woman. Again, shout out to I didn't even mean to do this with the with comadres, but yeah, again, yeah. African American women in Salinas. Women after the 40s, dude. man, they they were fucking doing it. Mm-hmm. So, this and well, and actually an Agnes passed away in 2014 when this book came out at 99. She was two weeks away from being 100 years old. Damn. Yeah. Full and complete life. 2014. Yeah. And literally, that's not that long ago when you really think about it because, damn. It really isn't. And she stayed married to to Bonnie the whole time. <laughs> oh, wow, really? Yeah, she they, was Aww. a ride or die. You feel me? In I'm 19, into that. In 1991, they celebrated their 50th wedding Aww. anniversary. Dude. Is that the golden yeah. The 50th anniversary, the 50th right? The 50th golden, yeah. Which one's platinum? Dude, like says, this is um from the Herald's obituary. She got a very, very nice obituary in the in the Herald. But she had traveled to 35 countries in on five continents. Dude, she's, yeah. Anyway. If you are going to look up to anyone and put, like, hashtag goals on a picture or something like that, it should, it should be, be this women like her. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? This, wom- this woman and woman like her, because that is for real, That's for amazing. real hashtag goals. Yeah. Well, another one that was also a contemporary of hers, and they they were both at some point presidents of the NAACP chapter here in Salinas, is a lady by the name of Dolores Scaife Higgins. Higgins. And yeah, Dolores Scaife Higgins came to Salinas in 1964. So she came, she's you know, getting closer to more modern times. Mm-hmm. And she opened up a beauty salon on Alisal called the Del Rey Beauty Salon. And I've seen the fuck, the pictures of it. I was like, I've seen that building. That building still exists. It's probably a furniture store because everything on the house is a fucking furniture store. Is it next to like a paneria? Like, well, it's an old figure. Oh, but fucking panadilla. No, there's a one well, called like yeah, Del Rey too. Six, that's why. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh, that's shit. what I was like thinking. Like, oh, wait, fuck. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's okay. what I was thinking. Like, wait, wait is the picture pull up the picture? Yeah, but she, yeah, so she owned the Delray Beauty Salon. And what is very memorable about her is that she served on the Salinas City Council from December 1992 to June 1993. Why it was only six months, I don't know. But anyway, that makes her. The first and only African American to serve on the city council. And I know we are not a very heavily black city, but Jesus Christ, that seems kind of weird. Yeah. For a city that was founded in Back 1874. In 92, 93, damn. Yeah. So, and so, yeah. So, Dolores. And also, another thing with that I thought was really neat about her, she was the one that founded Suba. She founded the Salinas United Business Association, which is That's awesome. the Chamber of Commerce kind of thing, mm-hmm. whatever the, the business group of the East Side. I love this. So, so I wonder she, if they're living up to her expectations and standards. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they, they got to look it up. But yeah, they they have some big, big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. They, sure. they were started by, by. But anyway, it's so interesting. I, I learned so much about. <laughs> the African American community of Monterey County and Salinas, like I said, there's much more. What's the book called again? Uh, Africans Americans African Americans of Monterey County. And where can we pick it up? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. These are out of print now. This oh, shut up! Really? Yeah, yeah. It's one of these uh, Arcadia Publishing does. They just gather images from American culture. Uh huh. So they're pretty rare. They just do like mm. one printing. There is like, uh, I think a thousand different but where, topics. Where did you purchase it? I got this one at Downtown Book and Sound. Is that okay. what it's, it's actually called that, right? It's been called and that. Here yeah. In, yeah, next to Brewing, Shout out right? Trish. Yeah. yeah. Right across the street. Yeah, yeah hell yeah. It. Yeah, she has a bunch more of those. The old Salinas one is there as well. Yeah, the Carmel. I have everything one. there. Yeah. yeah, I've seen those books. Yeah. And it's super neat. And if I love it that they have a pride flag in front of their building. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Well, if you want to, dude, it's so, I don't know. They're, it's it's so neat. If you want to see a black person riding a wagon in Salinas in the 1800s, you can see that. That's a thing. Like, that it is Salinas history. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's so fucking neat. Um, but yeah, I I would encourage anybody to try to learn more. I don't know how much you really can. These are local people, but... Mm-hmm. Again, Jesse Stahl the, is a is a legendary guy. You could find stuff about him for sure. Um, Agnes Tebu Tebo. I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm spelling it, but <laughs> or misspeaking it. Anyway, I hope people learned something. It was cool. This, this was, was fun. This, was yeah, it was cool. To I do, learned. Do I that love research. history. I really enjoy talking and reading uh, and doing our research about fun stuff like this. What I find fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this was fun. It uh, was fun. So yeah. Anyway, thanks for doing this. Thank you. This combination hybrid episode that that we're yes. calling. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how people react. How how it goes and. Maybe we'll do it again in the future. Yeah. And yeah. really quick, because it is a Comadres episode or a hybrid, we have to end with Our Regalos y Cargas, as always. Let's start, so, with the, let's start with Oz today. You want to do, you want to start off with your Regalos y Cargas, Oz? Yeah. And explain again a little <laughs> bit as, oh, I mean, yeah, I, because I hear your audience all, yeah, yeah. doesn't um, or may or may not know. So Regalos y Cargas is also known as like your peak or your pit or mm-hmm. what's the other one that you always say? Your rose and your thorn. thorn. Yeah. So it's like uh, something, your regalo or your rose. Something positive. 
exactly. Uh-huh. Something that's positive happening in your life, something that you feel blessed with or are grateful for. And then your karga or your thorn is something that maybe is weighing heavy on you, something that didn't necessarily go your way. Um, you know, the things that we carry is like, you know, the baggage or, yeah. you know, kind of those heavier things, right? So, yeah. yeah so, Perfectly and it's also explained. a... Um, a practice in um, being mindful that, you know what I mean? Like everything in life is like uh, yin and yang mm-hmm. and practicing reciprocity and not everything is always rainbows, butterflies and lollipops, right? But Over the rainbow um, type of stuff. Maybe not every day is a good day, but there's something good in every day. So yep. acknowledging both the good and then also maybe the not so good. So, yeah. So that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. But all right. Yeah. I'll start with I'll start with the carga start. Uh, yeah, so we'll end happy. <laughs> but so I've been a little, I'm like, I do the work thing. I feel like I'm taking Frenchies. What? Because I, I don't know. I just like work. I bring up uh, work. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, well, I've been shorthanded <laughs> for the last couple of weeks. Um, I work at a, at a small manufacturing company. And um, yeah, it, it was, it was tough. It was, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm trying to make all more dramatic. Oh man, it was so hard. It, it was, <laughs> uh, but I it well because it, it really made me appreciate the work and the team that I have. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, but it was it was tough. <clears throat> it was you know and Worries. and it was way you know it was getting it it was gonna be more. I was thinking it was gonna be an extended period, but it, it wasn't that much. And I was just thinking like, fuck, I don't know if I could go that. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I could maintain. Um, so yeah, so that that's been weighing on me. If anything, is is having those added responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it it is a big burden to carry. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the my regalos is. I I mean spring is coming. <laughs> spring I if, again I I really enjoy gardening. Anybody that listens to my show knows that. But if, if to, for your listeners if they're not aware, I I really enjoy gardening. And I was out there today watering some stuff, and I could see the the trees. You know, no, that's cool. Like blooming, you could see the the little green buds coming out the and. Tea. And yeah, because I mean, we're in California. It fucking mm-hmm. rained like three days this year, so it's been not winter. But to when the plants realize, because they they are tuned into something else, you know. Mm-hmm. So when they realize, all right, it's time to wake up. Like I don't know, something it wakes me up in a sense. It, it's interesting. So yeah, that was I. That was cool walking around, seeing the life. You know, I mean, they come back every year, but <laughs> like, I'm not that I wasn't expecting them to come back, but uh-huh. to see it starting again, um, it's yeah, it was exciting. That's cool. Super mm. exciting. Aw, Oz likes to plant. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that reminds me of this meme I saw. Um, it was like, um, if you walk into a woman's house and she's like has you know, a whole bunch of plants, like stay with that person because she can already take care of like oh, useless shit. Yeah. What's one more? Like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I'll go next for regalos y cargas. So, um, my your carga. regalos are your birthday just passed. I know. That's exactly <laughs> what I was, I was like, going to say. Your birthday. Like, yeah. But let's see, my carga. Um, 
It's I, hard, huh? It's well, because you know, there's like always personal stuff mm. happening, but there's not it's not necessarily anything that I like want to blast out mm-hmm. like to no, live pues in sí, perpetuity yeah. on the internet. But yeah, you know what? I will say <laughs> this. I co-parent um with uh my daughter's uh father, and that that is very tough sometimes. And I'm not like you know, like dogging him in any type of way. It's just like situations happen Mm -hmm. that like, for me, like it's not in my control. And so it's difficult. So like he didn't do anything wrong or say anything wrong or anything like that, but just like life happens. Mm -hmm. And so there was a situation surrounding him. And so it gives me anxiety as a mom having to like relinquish control and like following the custody order and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm concerned, but at the same time, it's not in my control. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? So that has been a real big carga that I've been having to like, you know, like really come to terms with and battle through and stuff like that. So that's been really difficult. And anybody who co-parents, man, my fucking hats go off to you. This is not easy work. Um, work. It is a lot of work and it's 100% worth it because my daughter is obviously 100% worth it. But yeah, as a parent, it's difficult to not be in control. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, on the flip side, my regalo is a huge one, you know, like I was blessed with another trip around the sun. Um, So yes, I celebrated my 35th birthday this week and just, the blessings are just amazing. And I'm just, you know, I I try and do a good amount of reflection, especially during um, my birthday month, my birthday week and stuff. And just um, I'm very, very grateful for the amount of growth that I've been able to have in this mm-hmm. last year. I feel like I could really point to this year as like, like a there's there was a huge jump the major shift that happened in a huge jump in growth and mm-hmm. so i've just been so blessed with this whole year and thinking back on it and you know my friendships and relationships and you know ev- everything work the universe is just aligning the way that it should and so i'm really really blessed and happy and so yes thank you thank you thank you to creator for Aww. allowing me this this last year and hopefully many many more moons yes <laughs> yeah. a lot more moons <laughs> Um, so we'll end it with me. I'll do it también cargas. And just, I'm going to copy you, Oz. Work has been <laughs> shitty this week. I, <laughs> we're super short stuff too. I've been literally doing two jobs at once. The new job that I was positioned for, haven't had much time to do it. But everyone knows that we're short staff, so they're not giving me like a lot of shit about it. So I'm just like, all right, cool. Everyone knows. And and it feels actually nice to have like my supervisor and other people, even the doctor saying thank you because I didn't have that my last job. Mm -hmm. So with them saying that to me and to my other coworker that, you know, we're both busting our butts Mm -hmm. and we're training this new person, too, at the same time. Yeah. It's it's a lot, you know, but, you know, thankfully we're going to get past this. It's just another bump on the road. Um, my regalo, I move into my new place on Monday. Yay. <laughs> it's exciting. But I was like telling Sam and Oz earlier, it, ha- it hasn't hit me yet. And once you get the keys and you spend the night, girl's there, not even a key. Like they're smart house. They're smart oh, apartments. It's, like the- it's the codes. Ooh. They give you the codes and you, that's how you lock and open your door. Which I think that's pretty cool. I mean, like, fuck, now I don't got to remind my key or bring my key with oh. me, you know, just hopefully if I'm drunk one day, I remember the code. 
that's my only thing. <laughs> but all out there, bro. Yeah, like, here, I'll just can you lock my- yourself out? No. No. Okay. No. Good. <laughs> I was like, no. then you're fucked. It's like with no. the iPhone. Ten tries yeah. and you're yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, valio madre. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we move in on Monday. Um, we, you know, it's just, ah, I it's, just can't believe it, yes. you know? But yeah, it's going to happen. It's happening. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. And Pat. <laughs> thank you. Thank Shout you. Out Pat. Thank you, thank you. And I know what Pat Regalo is too. I'm proud of you, Pat. <laughs> Inside insider info. If y'all don't know, <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but thank you for guys like for listening to this episode, this badass episode that yeah, we we're really happy one. to be. Yeah, but it's super worth it. Yeah, it's yeah. super worth it to listen to oh, and yeah. you talk about and yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, guys. And we'll catch y'all next week. Adios. Ciao. Mwah. <laughs>